0: argue at least speaking from a like kind of a biblical perspective if you are disciplined quote unquote um, to pursue some selfish end you don't actually have self-control. You've already failed the first big self-control test and that is the ability to put your own desires aside.
1: Hey everybody Mike Erie here so glad you are tuning in thank you for uh, spending some time with us welcome to the Vox podcast I'm here with a very special guest all the way from Portland, Oregon, where... What's the temperature, Drew? What, what is the temperature oh, out there Oh, man, today? it's like
0: a balmy 50 degrees, and it's actually oh, sunny.
1: We hey! Have, yeah,
0: we have this thing in the Northwest called Breakthrough Sunshine, <laughs> where you get like three minutes of sun and everyone
1: goes outside and just... Yeah. Oh, soaks it in. I know. Listen, um, and I think the only place more depressing maybe than that is Columbus, Ohio. <laughs> where it is a brisk 17 degrees, heading to minus six. So we're very excited wow. about that. The polar vortex, bro, it's a I know, thing it's coming out in the thing. Arctic. I used to, I used to when I was in California, I used to mock them about El Nino, and then I discovered no, that's a real thing. And I'm, I'm doing the same, learning the same lesson with polar vortex now. Drew, <laughs> let's. Um, I, I want to introduce our audience to you, and um, your last name is spelled D Y C K, which. Right. And and pronounce Dick evidently, uh, which I just learned because I'd pronounced it something else all these years that I've I uh, been, uh, I've been following you, uh, and um, and you have a great photographer. As I'm looking at you now live on the video chat and looking at a picture on the back of your book, I I need that I need that as well. Now, Drew, like, well, here, here's the thing I got a, I got a newborn child. Okay, so I'm not getting my beauty sleep. I think oh, that's really? the problem. Yeah. 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 First, second, third.
0: This is a third. And and she was a surprise and we're delighted oh. that she's here, but
1: I'm not sleeping. So that's the problem. That's used the problem. I look
0: like Brad Pitt before I had kids.
1: <laughs> well, it can't be that much of a surprise because I mean, you could stop having sex. I mean, let's just put it out there. You know what I'm saying? It's like, yeah, we figured out now how, where they come from. So <laughs> perfect. You are uh, an editor, you used to, so one of my favorite magazines when I was early, early on in my little pastoral career was Leadership Journal, and yes. you, you ran that thing for years, correct? Yes, that's right, um, and then, for six and, or seven years. Yes, and that was a wonderful, I mean, that was a super helpful time for many of us who were wrestling as the church started to evolve and change, and culture was moving rapidly. That was a pretty amazing thing. Uh, and now you're an editor at Moody. That's so, right. Is that true? Yes, that so you, is
0: true. The rumors are
1: true. <laughs> so you so so you edit, you just read manuscripts and edit them. Is yeah, that is exactly. that what so am an
0: acquisitions editor? So oh, if you got man. a hot idea for a book I do. You know, I do. Let's let's draft up the contract right here. Yeah, so I, I evaluate ideas, kind of help nice. authors refine them, then I do like kind of a uh,
1: edit of the manuscript, but not terribly deep, because then that goes to another guy. Oh two. nice. Okay, okay. Yeah. Um, so you just uh, wrote a book called Your Future Self Will Thank You, Secrets to Self-Control from the Bible and Brain Science, A Guide for Sinners, Quitters, and Procrastinators, which last time I checked means every single one of us. <laughs> right. I am, I am, uh, I just obviously finished it really good. My past self really needed this uh, because my <laughs> present self would be about 6'3 and 185 right now had I read it. Um, <laughs> What, uh, you know, it, it's so, so it's, it's about self-control, which right I don't, it, no, I, I think the, the least needed chapter in the book was why do we need self-control? <laughs> right. I, I think we all know that. Um, but you, you tie self-control into freedom in a very interesting way. So, hmm. so when I hate when, you know, interviewers quote the author back to the author, but I uh, you, talk, you talk about, <laughs> you <laughs> can say, yeah, that, that was a really good point. Um, a loss of self-control equals a loss of freedom. So, so two questions. First define what you mean by self-control. Is that just delayed gratification or is it something more? Hmm. And then secondly, is it, it sounds like one of those statements that Jesus would say, if you want to save your life, you have to lose it. That, yeah. So, so like I, I always think of self-control as losing freedom or delaying freedom, or I don't, I don't think of self-control as leading to freedom. So go if, if you would and unpack that. Yeah. Well, first of all, about the definition, um, that's a good question. Cause I think
0: there are a lot of things that come to mind when, when you say self-control um, what I was working from was basically this doing what's right, even when you don't feel like it. So that's
1: kind of broad. I hate, that, like, definition. <laughs>
0: right? I hate that definition. Right. It's hard. It's hard. And here's the thing, you're right, like, it's sort of counterintuitive, though, like, about the freedom part, right? Yes. Man, if you're, and and here's the other thing, I think actually self-control kind of has a bad reputation in our culture.
1: For sure. People
0: think, like, oh, you know, that's boring. Really, you should be about self-expression or whatever. Right. Um, But, yeah, my, my point is that actually, rather than being confining and repressive and boring, it's actually something that enables you to live a life of freedom and flourishing, eventually. So in the short term, right? Yeah, I mean, it's right. going to hurt a little bit in the short term. Discipline right. always. So take, I don't know, like spending money. So you can go and have a blast and rack up your credit card, uh, and it'll feel good, and you'll feel free in the moment. But of course, you know where that goes, right? Where you get the high interest, uh, high APR, and, and all of a sudden, you, you're, you're very confined because your financial situation sucks, basically, right? Yes, exactly. So, um, and and, and it, it applies to all areas of life, spiritual, physical, exercise, you name it, eating,
1: um, can we not? I don't want to use those examples, Drew. Could we? <laughs> can we just talk about yeah. the money? Yeah, yeah, the money part. No. Yes. Okay. So the paradox is um, that's a, that's that paradox. that yeah. that freedom that self self expression, if unguided and unhindered, leads to slavery, and um, self control leads to freedom down the road, and a kind of flourishing. What and and, and what? What sort of evidence do you have sort of to back that up I mean that that's one of those that's one of those things where you look at our culture and you're like I think everyone would say yeah yeah, yeah we need more self-control I need more self-control hmm. but um, the, the the message of our culture seems to be as you said self-expression and and uh, I met a, an Olympic gymnast once at a church I was preaching at and I and I told her my daughter loved gymnastics and she she had the greatest line. Drew, she just looked at me and it was like a, like a, it was like a habit. Like we'll talk about in a second. She just said, believe in yourself, tell her to believe in yourself and follow your dreams. And that has always stuck with me as the perfect encapsulation of the social media Disney worldview. Right. Um, right. Yes. And and what you're arguing for strikes at the heart of that. Uh, I think so. So spend a little time, if you would talking about, how, how, how that paradox works itself out and, um, and, and how it plays into this, you know, very tricky statement of Jesus about if you want to save your life, you must lose it. Does that make sense? Hmm. Yeah, totally. And I, and yeah, I don't want to be the anti-Disney guy, but no, I
0: mean, <laughs> that's, I lo- a, listen. that's a top platform to sell. No, but you're right. It's like, um and I, and I would, I wouldn't bash like categorically on self-expression because if you have something good to say, I mean, yeah, go for it, right? Yeah, yeah um, of course. But it is interesting because you look at every narrative that we tell, You know, at least it seems like in contemporary times, whether it's uh, reality TV uh, plot lines or movies, what have you, it's essentially someone um, going, you know what, I have this deep down beautiful thing that I need to unleash upon the world, and my success in doing that is just kind of standing against everyone around me and pursuing my dream no matter what the cost, Right. Right. And that's that's you know sometimes that can be an okay plot line, uh, but I yeah. think a lot of people kind of run with that, and the pendulum is swung too far, where it's like gratify every desire you have, follow every passion. Right. <laughs> and um, of course, not every desire and passion that we have crop up in our life actually is ultimately good for you, good for others, good for the world. And right. so we need to be kind of critical about looking at okay, what are our desires, and then finding desires that are like ultimately important and healthy. And then delaying gratification in pursuit of
1: those, if that makes Got sense. Got it. Yes, yeah. but the, but, yeah. but that's of course the tricky part. How do you? So you take sexuality, and right. and um, we've had a number of of gentlemen on our show who are who identify as gay and are per, pursuing celibacy as a part of their discipleship of Jesus. And so our culture would look at them and say, oh my goodness, they're missing out. They are, um, you know, that you cannot live a fulfilled life in the, unless you are sexually fulfilled also. Hmm. And, and so they stand out as, as these, you know, by, from both sides, they identify as gay. So conservatives have trouble with them. Um, and they practice celibacy. So progressives, you know, have con- some concerns with them, sure. um, um, when you when you get to the heart of the the worldview, how do you cho- how do you know which, which guiding uh, desires are the ones you need to run with? In other words, mm. um, if because you, you do say something uh, uh, around this line, um, it was about biblical self-control is keeping our loves in the right order yeah so so that kind of strikes it a bit what you're talking about. What does that mean?
0: Yeah. And that's the, I'm borrowing language from Augustine, a fourth century nope, a philosopher. Nope. I know. Sorry. I'm nope. getting all nerdy here.
1: This, he may, he may <laughs> have borrowed it from
0: you. We don't, we don't know. Right. We don't know. And he's not around to object. If I take credit, right? <laughs> exactly. So I, could just, I could run with it. Okay. never mind. I came up with this idea the other day about disordered loves. Um, anyway. Yeah. So basically he says, if you, if you get your loves in the wrong order, let's take an example. Say you love uh, shiny cars and material things more than people. Right. He'd say, your loves are out of order. You should prioritize people and relationships above material possessions. And we've, we've known these guys, right, who like like yeah. obsessed with their, their, I don't know, whatever. Yeah. Um, and and that, that messes their life up, right, because they get this unhealthy attachment to things. They use people in order to get more money, say, or material possessions, and, and it screws everything up. As a Christian, of course, I put God at kind of the, the top uh, spot, and I think of, okay, what does God really want for me? Uh, That's why I'm serious about the Bible. I think of what is like my life's decisions and my actions. Are they going to benefit others? Are they going to result in others feeling better about themselves and actually helping them flourish? Um, And then I think about myself. So if you get those out of order, I feel like even if you develop this ninja level discipline in your life, you're just going to be a jerk, right? We've all (laughs) known those people. It's like, man, I've got the steamboat ambition and I'm just going to like be the CEO of this corporation. I'm going to run over people to do it. Well, that's not self-control, at least not biblically speaking, which is about denying yourself uh, for the sake of others. But of course, here's the Mm. paradox. And this is what you, I think you, you touched on with what Jesus said about, you know, whoever loves his life, loses it by, you know, by dying, you truly live all these kind of weird, uh, beautiful paradoxes. There's a similar dynamic here because when you put God first, when you put others in front of yourself, it ends up being the best thing for you, right? Mm. If you put Come yourself on. first, man, preach, preach. You're, preach. you're miserable. If you yeah. put yourself first, those are the most miserable people on the planet. Uh, and the, the People that no one wants to be around, right? Even if they're amazing at whatever they do. So that's the first thing. It's just getting your priorities straight uh, because if you start working on your disciplines and your habits and your willpower, that's all great. But man, it's got to be directed towards something that's ultimately important.
1: So what happens if you flip them? So, so not only a a jerk, so let's say I'm pursuing happiness, comfort, pleasure, Hmm. whatever, you know, one of the things you argue is that then you don't get those things if they become ultimate. Isn't that true? I think anyone who's lived long enough can attest to that. Like if you aim at happiness
0: and you're like, all I want to do is like maximize my pleasure. (laughs) <laughs> well all you know i mean you can only sit on a beach sipping margaritas for so long or uh, i don't know eating i don't know i haven't tried that actually so. <laughs> <laughs> the jury's still out on that one right yes I mean, if, if all you live for is pleasure you're gonna be miserable that's yeah the, i mean that's what the epicureans found in ancient greece it's like okay you can't do that it, it doesn't work um so yeah some of this is just kind of common sense life wisdom uh, and and a lot of it's from scripture uh so that's, that's the first thing before you even start trying to develop your discipline, man, you got to be doing it for the right reasons. It can't just so, to be to no, go, go, go. That's good. Yeah. No, it just can't be to I don't know, whatever look down on other people or think that you're the best or make a ton of money and lavish it on yourself or something like that. I, I'd right. say the first thing you got to do is,
1: is align your priorities uh, with, with, with what's ultimately important. Okay. And that's why then you argue that the first step of self-control surrender Right. It's not. It's not control, which, which I got to be honest. I mean, that I, I I dogeared that one, and I was like, okay, that's super interesting to me. So the surrendering would be, in very practical terms, the putting forward or putting ahead of myself, uh, God and others. Right. Right. Yeah. The- yeah. In
0: any moment, any particular moment when you're facing a temptation or you want to gratify a certain desire, it's putting aside your selfish interests. Right. This is where the surrender comes in. And going, okay, God, what you, what would you want me to do in this situation? Um, uh, what what would be best for my child, my spouse, my neighbor? Right. Um, and and that's surrender, right? Because <laughs> um, you're obviously not putting number one, that is yourself, first in those circumstances. You're actually you're putting yourself aside momentarily in order to serve others. And and like I said, though paradoxically, again, that ends up being what is ultimately most gratifying, ultimately most fulfilling for you. So right. yeah.
1: So the first, so, so if I'm hearing you right, um, in, in a sense, like there are loads of disciplined people, but if you're disciplined for the wrong reason or towards the wrong end, you're still going to be, you're, you haven't found the freedom we're talking about, right? There's a deeper thing that's still out there for you, which is the abandonment of self um, and in pursuit of God and others, correct? That's exactly
0: right. And I would argue, at least speaking from a like kind of a biblical perspective, if you are disciplined, quote unquote, um, to pursue some selfish end, you don't actually have self-control. You've already failed the first big self-control test, and that is the ability to put your
1: own desires aside. Oh, nice. Like, I get gotcha. that. Because, yeah. you know, I got to be <laughs> honest. I'm, I'm dieting right now just to be foxy. <laughs> <laughs> um, I'm tired. I'm it's tired man. of, of being roly roly-poly guy. I want to be foxy again. And I, so so you're telling me that's wrong, but okay. Well, no. It, here, actually,
0: you no, know, I, about the weight loss. You know, it's, it was great because this is something. I've, I'm such a yo-yo dieter. I've been on all kinds of <laughs> diets and don't even get me started. Anyway, <laughs> and I always I always proclaim the diet starts tomorrow as I'm eating some big <laughs> um, I almost called the book that actually, The Diet Starts Tomorrow. Oh, that um, would have been great. That would have been pretty good. But then everyone would th- think it's a dieting book, which it you're is. Right, exactly. right. Um, but one thing that I stumbled across <laughs> in my research was what researchers, and this isn't like Christian researchers, just general sociologists call sanctified goals, right? So mm-hmm. it's this idea that say you want to lose weight and say your motivation is I want to fit into those old jeans or I want to look good in the mirror. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's ineffective. If you can have a sanctified goal, that is, if you can attach some ultimate significance to that mundane everyday goal, Got you'll it. have greater success. So if you're dieting and you're going... You know what? I'm not going to think about, oh, how good I'm going to look when I'm lighter. What I'm going to think you. about is I want to be here for my kids. I want to see them grow up. Um, I, I, or I see you know my body as a gift from God, and I want to honor that gift um, and, and to pursue the calling that he has in my life. You're going to actually have, I would argue mm-hmm. that's not only more biblical, but you're going to have greater success in pursuing those goals if that's your motivation as opposed to just looking a little better in the mirror.
1: Damn you um (laughs) what speaking of sanctified goals what's your view of core's light i mean just in general biblically speaking an abomination
0: no man i live in the northwest dude this is the the, we got all the crafts but you didn't
1: always you were in chicago for a while right i know but i've changed okay Oh my goodness. Okay. So these are like, you know how in lie detector tests, they give you baseline questions. So these are baseline wisdom questions. Okay. Just how much can we trust you because (laughs) you live in the Well, yes. Um, on the, on the, because you live in the, in the Northwest, who's your favorite nineties grunge band?
0: Ooh, well, I'm going to say Nirvana, but I, I, I don't know the scene well enough. But I mean, Kurt Cobain okay, with those long
1: golden locks crashing <laughs> around. That's pretty cool. OK, now yeah, we're 0 for 2. And then, um, <laughs> and then, <laughs> no, I don't know. I just, I'll, for some reason, I just always love asking those dumb questions. All right. Because um, you haven't been asked that in this round of podcast interviews, no, have you? No, no. no I, I have not been
0: asked most of these questions.
1: Oh, really? No, no, no grunge band or Coors Light or anything. So this is, this is all new territory for me. Well, just those two, or the whole interview? Because I, I frankly think our interview is going yeah. incredibly well. Well, thank you. I think it's good to stop and kind of take I, stock of how it's going in the middle and <laughs> congratulate ourselves. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. Now let me switch. So if that's kind of the foundation, is is um, is self control the same as willpower? Hmm. Does does self control require willpower? I mean, what's the, so I would, you, uh, I would, I would tend to think of those synonymously. Right. Yes. And they your no
0: synonyms in the popular kind of language. And they're certainly related the way I was dealing with it. And I think actually most researchers talk about it is willpower. You need willpower for self-control, right? Willpower mm-hmm. strictly s- humanly speaking is the energy needed to exercise self-control, right? Okay. And you've read the books, you know, this, so forgive me for repeating it. But one of the really big aha moments I had early on researching this topic yep. was finding these experiments go like 20 years ago where they found out that willpower is a finite resource. And all that means is it's exhaustible. It runs out and it runs out very quickly. And that was like, man, it made so much sense to me because I was thinking of my New Year's resolutions, right? I set like five, six New Year's resolutions. Yep, yep. I'm going to conquer the world. They're going to be amazing. Then like two days into January, they're gone. You know, it's like. <laughs> and, and I realized what I did, I came into, you know, the new year with this limited little pool of willpower and I tried to change ma- major behavioral patterns in my life all at once, all these big, you know, each one of them would draw down my willpower so that it's just decimated immediately. And then I don't have any success in any of those areas. Does that make yeah. sense? Oh, so, yeah, that, dude, totally. that was, that was huge.
1: Uh, just realizing, man, willpower is limited. Use it. That's, wise, that deep. is huge. <laughs> then, no, that's big. I mean, cause I found like it, like, If I don't exercise in the morning, it's not going to happen. I could tell myself I'm going to do it later, but I'll never do it. My willpower is almost strongest. Like first thing, the first thing I do that day is when willpower feels you know, feels strongest. And then it depletes. It seems as you go on, is that, yeah. is and that all your research have, shows the only
0: willpower you have left at the end of the day is to like binge on Netflix or something. Right. It's like,
1: correct. <laughs> I will, I will to lay on this couch right now and deny myself the floor or whatever. Um, so, so why, if we know that, why isn't knowing that enough? I, I mean, why? So, so okay, great. We have research on willpower. Does that automatically translate into research? Or does researching willpower translate into more? Yeah, n- not
0: necessarily. It helps, and actually, it's it's interesting. There have been studies looking at just like educating people on willpower and habits, and then what does that do? And it actually does mm. increase their good behavior. But it's mm. not it's not foolproof because, as as you know, I'm sure. You can have all the knowledge in your head, right, about what you should do. I think all of us, it's so funny because there's always the latest diet, the latest exercise regimen, you name it. I think all of us know carbs are bad, sugar is bad, uh, eating too many calories is bad, uh, exercise is good. Uh, For me, reading the Bible is healthy. You know, we know all this stuff. It's not that we need more information. It's that we actually need to change our behavior. Now, it does go a little ways towards doing that, though, because once you realize you have you know, limited willpower. I've had the same sort of aha moment as you. It's like, oh man, if I have something really difficult or tempting or something like that, I need to kind of pack that in earlier in the day. Uh, Forever I was trying to write and writing's really hard for me and I was trying to do it at like four o'clock every day once I was done with my day (laughs) job. Oh, Oh, I just sat there looking at a blank screen. I'm like, I got nothing left because I've been meetings all day and editing manuscripts and whatever. And the willpower's gone, you're done. And so I switched it to earlier in the morning and had a lot more success. So kind of strategic moves like that. The other good news about willpower is it can grow, right? Ooh, no, that's as big. You, yeah, exactly. So as you do, you know, do things that are hard, whether it's exercise or even there have been studies showing that people that use their non-dominant hand, like their left hand for brushing their teeth, mm-hmm. they'll find that their willpower actually grows just from doing something that's uncomfortable
1: and, and a little mm-hmm. weird like that. So mm-hmm. it can grow. That's good news too. Right. So, so bad news is it's finite. Good news. It can grow. Is yeah. it ever going to be enough? No. Is willpower alone ever going to be enough. Okay. So why, yeah. so why not? Yeah. Okay. So, and this so is that's bad news. That's bad news. Number two, that's bad news. Number two.
0: Exactly. So it, yeah, it's finite. It can grow, but a little bit, it's sort of like muscle, right? You can, you can exercise, but eventually your muscles get tired and our willpower gives out remarkably quickly uh, mm. even when we're able to grow it a little bit, which helps. Um, And this is where habits come in, right? Yeah. I know you're you're going there, so I'm going to jump the gun. (laughs) Oh, no. No, They're they're huge. And what I mean by habits, simple definition, those automatic routines you have in your life. They can be good or bad, right? Um, I don't know. Maybe brushing your teeth in the morning is a habit, hopefully. Uh, Driving is a habit. It's something you do without thinking. It doesn't actually require a lot of thought. You don't exert a lot of effort.
1: Right. And Driving.
0: Driving. Exactly. Or like the guy who runs five miles every morning. That's not mm-hmm. me. But the dude who wakes up and cranks out five miles, he's not sitting there psyching himself up, slapping himself in the face going, I got to do this. Come on. No, it's just automatic, right? It's a habit. So right. what you need to be able to do is use that limited willpower to initiate new healthy habits in your life so that those good behaviors can kind of be on autopilot, right? And that actually frees up your willpower to, for other tasks.
1: Okay. So, so let, let me, that, yeah, let me yeah. go backward one step yeah. and, and say, how do you grow willpower? So you use the example of brushing your teeth. So doing something small and uncomfortable right. increases willpower. What, what, uh, what are other things? Oh, it
0: can be a variety of things like learning a new language, especially something that stretches you in a new way, right? Not just something you're really good at and you do it a little more, go um, ahead. but things that actually require, um, uh, you to do a new behavior, um, and I mean, mm. and just not shine away from hard things because you get used to it, right? You kind of, and, and as you do it more, and then here's another thing. There are these things that researchers call, um, keystone habits. Mm. So these are habits that not only are good in, in and of themselves, but they actually make you more self-controlled in all the other areas of your life. So, yes. you talk so about- like dominoes. Yeah, exactly. Like, like dominoes, they have this synergistic to use a cheesy word synergistic effect, positive effect in your life. So Hmm. uh, exercise is one. They know Hmm. people who exercise every morning, then when it comes to like making a healthy food choice later, they're going to do it. When it comes to not snapping at their kids, you know, all these other areas of your life are positively affected. Prayer is the same way. Um, Hmm. So much so that I read this article in the New York times about this atheist who's like, Oh man, maybe I should start praying and going to church because (laughs) this, this religious activity Um, has this incredibly positive effect on willpower and on uh, improving your behavior. Um, So yeah, Mm. those are, those are powerful tools. And it's not that, I mean, you do them for the intrinsic value, especially for me as a Christian, I'm like, I want to commune with my creator. Right. But at the same time, it also has other benefits that, that apply to other areas of life.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And how, so, so how, um, how do you start a habit? How do you replace a habit? How do you, mm-hmm. you know, cause you talked about new year's resolution. So here's my five things I'm going to do differently. Willpower right. gets depleted. I fail. And when I fail, I feel bad about myself. And when I feel bad about myself, I turn to something usually that's not incredibly healthy. Um, I mean that, that's just hypothetical. I don't know, you know, personally, yeah. I have no experience with any of that. Um, so what, <laughs> So, so how do habits work and how do you replace old ones with new ones?
0: Yeah. And you're exactly right. You want to replace them. It's almost, I mean, Charles Duhigg, who wrote a book on habits, he he says it's almost impossible to start a habit out of thin air. It's far more effective to replace a bad habit with a good one. So I don't know, say your habit is smoking, right? And we can all agree it's a bad habit. It's, It's dangerous. It's whatever. Um, makes you smell funny. Um, and so <laughs> say your habit is smoking, you go out every morning, right. And you smoke a cigarette. Well, you might want to go, you know what, instead of going out in the morning and smoking a cigarette, I'm going to go for a jog. Hmm. That's a good thing. Right. So, and then you've got to break it down. There are actually three parts to a habit. There's the cue. That's the trigger. The thing that, that makes you start the routine. Then mm. there's the, the routine, which is the actual behavior. And then there's a reward at the end. You do, you do things for a reason, right? You get a little reward. Maybe it's just a dopamine hit you know, whatever. But, um, and so when you look at that habit loop is what it's called, you want to kind of do surgery on it. So back to our example about the runner and the smoker, instead, you know, the cue is stepping outside maybe. All of a sudden, oh man, you start craving a cigarette. But now you're going to step outside and you're going to go, this is my cue to go for a run, right? And then Mm -hmm. before when you're smoking, maybe it's the nicotine hitting your bloodstream that's the reward. But instead now it's going to be the endorphins that are released when you run. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you, you kind of, you got the same cue, different behavior, similar reward, and then it's pretty easy to cement that in place. The other thing is, and I've alluded to it already when I did New Year's resolutions, the, the biggest problem with New Year's resolutions is that they're plural, right? Mm-hmm. Cause you do it all these at the same time and you exhaust your willpower. So you want to be very modest. And I know it's, it, it's counterintuitive because when you want to change, you're like, that's it. I'm going to change everything. I'm yes. going to earn twice as much money and I'm going to be healthy and I'm going to be spiritual and I'm going to be all this stuff. But that actually is what, what ends up sabotaging you. So mm-hmm. you want to be really incremental about things and it can feel silly. Like for people that haven't exercised at all, don't try to go out and run five miles because you'll kill yourself. You'll be sorry. You'll deplete your willpower and you won't do it again. Like go, walk around the block once mm-hmm. and then come home and give yourself a bite of chocolate. I mean, well, yeah, board it right. Just to cement it in. And then yeah. if you do that every day, pretty soon, all of a sudden, oh, you're walking a couple blocks, and now you're running, and, and you build up to it. And, yeah. and the critical thing is to kind of persevere through that one- or two-month window so the habit can cement into place, and then, then, then you're getting somewhere.
1: So you're spending your, your finite willpower on the relationship between the cue and the behavior, right? Because a lot of the behaviors now are subconscious. That's why they're habits. I open the fridge. I see ice cream. I pull out a bowl. <laughs> Right. I mean, there's no thought. There's no deliberation. There's just boom. It happens automatically. Yeah. So, so in that example, I want to open the fridge, see the ice cream and do what? Eat, <laughs> pick up broccoli. I mean, come on, Drew. Come on.
0: Yeah. And it's not gonna be nearly as rewarding. When you eat broccoli, right? Yeah, well, and actually in those cases, man, it's probably best to get the ice cream out of the house altogether or you will default to those old habits regardless. So, (laughs) I mean, man, I'm serious. I'll go to restaurants and I swear, I go in and I'm like, I'm ordering a salad with grilled chicken or some nonsense. Okay. So, and the waiter will be coming around to me and all of a sudden I'm like, bacon cheeseburger, please. (laughs) And it's because it's a habit. I've done it so many times at this particular (laughs) restaurant and that's what I order. I'm like, holy cow, did I just say that out loud? (laughs) <laughs> it's like, yeah, it's powerful, man. And if you're, yeah, so in, in cases like that, you got to kind of break it up all together. It's like the ice cream's got to be out of the house. Don't go to that restaurant. You name it. I mean. <laughs> so so let me ask you life. this.
1: So where does the biblical concept of sin come in? In in the sense of um, I, I'm never, no matter how hard I try, mm-hmm. right? The Christian gospel is, or the Christian message is, okay, I, I cannot rescue myself. It is God's grace that rescues me. So now, so it's a gift. It's freely. I don't merit it. I don't earn it. So now I have potential for passivity in two directions, right? One is, hey, I'm a sinner, dude. And no matter how hard I try, I'm always going to be a sinner. Or, or I guess you could and or this one, uh, it's all God's grace. I'm just going to wait for God to change me, right? That's how Mm. it works. Right. So, so where does, so first question, where does sin fit in? uh if i'm if i'm growing in self control uh, okay i mean is that just what paul means when he talks about being in the flesh is mm. that legalism y- you see where i'm where i'm i'm yeah. fishing. and this is a huge question like for for christians
0: this is a big question right cuz we're like yeah how does this all work um right. yeah and and i mean the first thing to say is i don't think you may disagree i don't think every self control failure constitutes a sin necessarily okay
1: first of all who's the expert here i'm not going to well, disagree with you're you you're the Jordan. pastor dude
0: no way no way
1: man! no way yeah you you pray for me to open this i love it (laughs) so so not every not every failure of self-control is sin that okay that's an example example.
0: okay like if you sit there and someone offers you a cookie or kale and you choose the cookie it doesn't mean you sinned i think it just means your taste buds are working right it's like (laughs) come on now if you if you eat a whole bag of cookies which i right right then you're kind of flirting with gluttony right so there's a blurry boundary with some of these things, but um, I, I wouldn't want to say every self-control failure is sin. Uh, yes. Certainly some of them are. Um, and then when it comes, you're right. Like that's that's the beauty of, of the Christian gospel, right? Is that God doesn't come and go, hey, listen, are you good enough to be on my team? No, mm-hmm. you better work a little harder and then we'll let you on. It, it's mm-hmm. a, No, it doesn't matter how bad you are. You're, 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 you're saved by the grace of God. You're in God's family. Um, And it's all free, and it's not based on your merit, like you said. That is absolutely true. And that's what we, you know, clunky theological term for that, of course, is salvation, right? But then there's a whole other thing called sanctification, another $10 theological word, as you know, Mm. that refers to the process by which you become more mature spiritually every year. And that, I mean, there are some dudes who are like, man, I just, I came to Jesus and bang, I was like, never drank another drop and I was an alcoholic. Right. I never did this and I'm amazing, whatever. And I'm like, okay, that's cool. I don't want to hear it because it didn't happen that way for me. Right? So it's a little <laughs> more slow and halting. And that's the case for most of us. And that's where self-control comes in, right? Because you're not going right. to be perfect. I don't believe that. There are some people that are crazy, I think, that say, oh, no, I'm going to arrive at perfection. I think you're right. right. But that's not to say you can't get a little better every year. Be less of a selfish jerk. Be—I don't know—you know—curb these destructive behaviors in your life. Look a little more like Jesus with every passing
1: year. That's the goal, Mm -hmm. Um, and self-control is a huge, huge part of that. Right. So it's listed as one of the the products of what the Holy Spirit does. Exactly. But then how? But okay. So if that. So the the Christian phrase is fruit of the Spirit. That's and it's this big long list that has self-control at the end. But if that's what the Holy Spirit does in me, then why not just wait for it to happen? Right. Yeah. And there
0: are. It's funny because in church history, there have been whole movements that are defined by that belief. Uh, anyway, and, and, and maybe a popular recent expression of that would be the let go and let God mm-hmm. kind of thing. Right. Mm-hmm. It's kind mm-hmm. of cliche or Jesus, take the wheel. It's like, I'm yes, no, Jesus, take the wheel. It sounds beautiful. I mean, like I can just get to sit in the back seat while Jesus is hitting the gas and steering the, the vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> unfortunately you open up your Bible and you're like, Oh crap. It's not like that at all. Okay. So <laughs> the Bible portrays a more complex sort of scenario by which you are exerting effort. You know, you're trying mm-hmm. to live this life that pleases God and serves other people. And at the same time, God's spirit is coming alongside you and empowering you to live that life. And you're right. You, you reference the Galatians uh, passage uh, in scripture about Paul calling it a fruit of the spirit. So in other words, like he, he's using an analogy there in the same way that a plant has to be connected to the soil in order to grow fruit, we have to be connected to God and then we see this fruit develop in our lives. Um, but,
1: that, but it doesn't happen automatically is what Exactly, you're saying. and it doesn't
0: happen without you trying either. That's right. the other thing. And it's so funny to me because here I'm picking on fellow Christians, but um, you know, if, if you're in Christian circles and you talk about, man, I'm really trying to live the Christian life, I'm striving, if you use a word like that, people will be like, oh, time out, dude. You're doing it all wrong. What's wrong with you? Right. You don't need to strive. Just let go and let God. Or you know. right. And, and and yet the word strive <laughs> is all throughout Scripture, like striving after godliness. You know, Paul yeah. talks about running, the race, like beating his body. Yeah, it's like man, you kind of you, you do all these extreme things in order to live uh, a godly life. So Mm -hmm. yeah, but it is a complex kind of relationship. And frankly,
1: I have not figured out completely. Well, no, I mean, it's one of those, and you quote Dallas, it's my favorite Dallas quote ever, of many favorites. Dallas Willard was a philosopher, and uh, and wrote a bunch on the spiritual life. And he said, grace is not opposed to effort. It's opposed to earning, which means that what we're not... None of us are rescued or made Jesus-like because of how hard we're trying. Yet, when we, when we try towards Jesus-likeness, there is a sense in which we open ourselves up to God's grace that, that is a multiplying effect. Is that right? Like, like yeah. it, it's, take, it's doing more in us than we could do for ourselves. But we almost have to, by faith, act into that.
0: Yeah. Is I that like true? The, Absolutely. I, I like, uh, I forget who said this now, but it's like you want to strive with the spirit rather than against the spirit. Right. right. Yeah. Um, that, that's, that's kind of the goal. And yeah, and, and Willard's exactly right. I think that's such a clarifying quote about how these things work. I just saw online, someone said, I'm reading Dallas Willard's book and your book together. And I'm like, dude, <laughs> toss my book in the shredder and, and read
1: <laughs> Dallas down." Willard. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> oh, totally. All right. So, oh. so let's just, let's just kind of wrap it up. With, with this sort of simple, because one of the things that's good about how uh, you have written this is that you're very practical, because this is very practical stuff, right? I don't, right. I love the theory, but, so let's say uh, I am a new follower of Jesus, and I've heard that it's important to me, uh, for me to read my Bible every day. What, like from from everything you've gathered, what is like short, simple advice that, uh, that you could give that person.
0: Yeah. Well, I'd actually, that's a great example because I, I could tell my story and, um, it's embarrassing because I've been a Christian for like, I don't know, 30 years since I was a kid. Um, <laughs> and I still struggle to read my Bible every day. Uh, what? especially with, I know, sorry, this is the end of the interview. Um, what? <laughs> so yeah. And so what I did, this was, um, I, I realized in, and going back to the bad habit, good habit sort of scenario, I realized every morning I'd roll out of bed and my phone is sitting there. Right. And so grab the phone first thing before like my eyes are even focused and I'm on social media. I'm looking at the news. um, And I realized that, and I'd say, Oh, I'll read my Bible later. Yeah. I'll do this afternoon. This evening. Yeah. Right. You know how that goes. Right. (laughs) Especially when you got kids and you got a job and all the rest of it, just never get around to it. Um, And so I I said, okay, man, next day I'm going to read my Bible right back to my phone. It's this bad habit. And finally I had to like, move the phone off my nightstand, put my yeah. big black Bible there instead. And so then I'm, it's my cue when I roll out of bed. Oh, I want to read some material. There's my Bible. Um, oh, and man, brilliant. I haven't missed a day at least this year. Um, it's, it's great. And, <laughs> nice. so, so, and it's not that I'm super spiritual. It's just cause I kind of did a little bit of a
1: yeah replacement with that habit. Uh, and, okay. And so th- a but, so things like you tried to replace something, you started small, you didn't try to take right. on the world. No, I'm not like reading Leviticus every morning or something. Right. Exactly. 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 For, for me, and this is way too much information. Um, the bathroom is, is <laughs> awesome is the best. It's just the best thing ever. So I literally just put my Bible right there and um, dog on it. It works for me now. Um, remind me not to touch your Bible though, if we ever hang out, (laughs) dude, you cannot pollute God's word,
0: bro. You're right. You're right. You're right. Come
1: on. (laughs) Come on. Um, and, and of course, I mean, when, anytime we're talking about self-control, willpower, technology has just wrecked us, right? I mean, you use the example of your phone and the chapter in the book about, I mean, good Lord, I was sitting there going, Oh my word, how, how, you know, it shortens our attention spans it makes it hard uh, for us to uh, engage in spiritual practices because they don't give us the same dopamine hit. Uh, I mean, Holy cow. We are absolutely sunk.
0: Yeah. We're just starting to grapple with the implications of it. Honestly. I mean, it's uh, I mean, yeah, it's, we're just inundated. I, I, I forget all the stats. I won't repeat them, but it's like 11 hours a day on average on a screen. We check our phones 150 times a day. Uh, we're just tethered to these things and all the new media that comes at us through social media uh, is, is yeah. pretty intimidating. So there's two ways it affects us. First of all, there's new temptations, right? It's like, oh, I mean, looking right, at porn, right. Uh, right. buying too much online, you name it, getting into dumb arguments, which I've never done. Um, <laughs> and, uh, <laughs> right? But then secondly, it's just like you said, it's the distraction. It just changes us at a, nerve, uh, a level where we yes. can't focus deeply. We can't sustain concentration. And some people go, well, who cares? I don't need to concentrate. Well, actually, I mean, you do for various reasons, but for spiritual reasons, absolutely. If you mm-hmm. want to be able to pray for any length of time, read scripture, which is a hard, challenging text, let's face it, yeah. um, it demands that concentration. So man, putting putting some healthy boundaries in your life when it comes to tech is huge. And I think we're just starting to realize how important it is.
1: What's the what's a resource you'd recommend for, for that? I haven't read any... Yeah. Andy's book. Have you read that one? The tech wise family? Uh,
0: some of it. And from everything I've seen, it's excellent. So I would wholeheartedly recommend that just cause I know Andy personally. And he's, he's such a, a wise and savvy name dude dropper. When it comes to this topic. I know. <laughs> Sure, or, of course. Or, or BFFs. I'm this of, is
1: Andy. This is Andy Crouch, and it and it's called the Techwise Family. It's been on yes. my list for a while. I didn't know if you'd read it as part of the research, or I'd also recommend uh, Tony Ranky's <laughs> book, uh, 12 Ways Your Phone Is
0: Changing You." Ooh, I might have that slightly wrong, but that's about uh, yeah, that's roughly the title. Um, um that's a great book. Yeah, and very eye-opening. And uh, oh my
1: goodness, and I
0: read that as I was researching for mine. So yeah, there are some. Ooh they're starting to get some, some resources out there, especially looking at it from a spiritual perspective. So I'm grateful for that.
1: My man, I am so grateful for your time. What, oh, what yeah. manuscript can you say? Can you, I don't even know if you can say this. What manuscript were you reading when I called when you were, when you were editing anything juicy, anything good, man, Kirk Cameron's confession, <laughs> Tim Tebow. Um, that's all I read. Yes. Tim Tebow books. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Actually, Confessions you know of what? a I Sinner. Was, I, I won't. I won't announce the title or author because I don't know if that would be weird. But um, right. I was reading a really tough book about someone whose kid is diagnosed with leukemia, and he goes through that, and it's like, okay, where's God? Is God still good? Does God still love me? Uh, oh, wrestling wow. through that whole process, and so challenging book. Especially when you got little kids, you're like, oh man, I don't want to read this. Yeah. Um, but but a good book at the same time. So that's what that's I've been. Wow. Thing. Yeah. Sorry. Somebody sort of ended on that note. Dang. No, I mean that's
1: that's <laughs> hey, that's real life. Dang, Dang it. It sure All is. All right. Well, Vox community, I'm so grateful uh for your time. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord shine his face upon you and be gracious to you. May the Lord lift up his countenance to you and give you peace in these days. Um, the book we've been talking about is Your Future Self Will Thank You by Drew D Y C K. And you can pray for him by name. Uh, bring his full name before the Lord in prayer, if you, if you would. I think he would very much appreciate that. I would. Um, I would. And, and keep in mind, I had a tough childhood because of that name. So. <laughs> I, I, dude, come on. I can't even <laughs> I'm imagine. Sorry. I'm so glad, though, you put the Y in there, because you can at least, like, justify a different pronunciation. Yeah.
0: It used you to know? be, apparently, a few generations ago, it was Van Dyke. And then some genius decided to shorten it. And I've been living with the consequences.
1: Dang, Ancestry.com, man. (laughs) Find out who that is and desecrate their grave. All right, my friend. Hey, thanks again for your time. I appreciate it. Oh, man, it's been fun. Thanks. All right, bud.